Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Last week, I talked to you guys about the importance of, um, of, be, of having people in our lives that we can be transparent to, that, that we don't keep hiding ourselves from ourselves and from everybody else and trying to from God. But how important it is, First John 1, it talks about living in the light as he's in the light, and there we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus comes and it cleanses us of all sin. Hallelujah. Awesome. And, but it got real quiet in here because I kept talking about how important it is that we, we, we have to actually like open ourselves up and, and come into the light and expose ourselves. And I know that's not comfortable, but, uh, but it was important. It still is. And I also told you a little bit about me and my journey and how I started off that, that one year with my, my, new, my brand new revival group at BSSM, and I, I opened up with them and shared from the very beginning how I used to be addicted to pornography and, and how that was a cycle problem in my life, but the Lord broke me free from it. And I told them how in 2003, the, the moment that I that I finally got breakthrough from the shackles of the addiction of it was the first time that I actually opened it up to a person who could love me unconditionally and say, that's not who you are. Amen. And that I, I was able to, I was able to confess it and that, and in the presence of someone else and that they could, they could help partner with me and verbalize to me God's unconditional love to me. All right. And so that was huge for the revival group to hear that from the very beginning. And I also told you that I, that I opened up with them about how the summer, right before that year, that school year, I had started going to counseling because I got diagnosed with depression. And so I actually want to dive into that story with you guys right now. I, I am going to demonstrate to you vulnerability. Okay? Is that all right to have a pastor who's willing to vo- demonstrate vulnerability? I think it's a good way to pastor. I have to scroll up so I don't keep seeing the word boogers on my notes. That's going to distract me. All right, so this was 2015. I, I had just finished my first year pastoring in BSSM. And to be honest, we had some amazing times that year, some great breakthroughs in our group, but it also was a really hard year for me because um, I didn't know what I was doing. And there was so many times throughout the year that I found out that I was disappointing my students because I wasn't giving them the same revival group experience that other people had been having, mind you, in groups that had pastors that had been there for years. It probably got past their first year too. But uh, it, it was kind of rough for me, and, and I, I got some feedback at the end of the year, and it just didn't feel awesome. And so I wasn't doing super awesome in my heart. But I also had an annual physical checkup uh, that I needed to do with my doctor. And this doctor started asking me a lot of questions and then ended up diagnosing me with moderate depression. I told you guys this last week. I, moderate depression, and I, um, I just couldn't believe it. it. It was hard for me to 
believe it. It was hard for me to accept it. I didn't want to even confess it that as a reality. Um, I mean, my, my thought is I have the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit comes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, perseverance, all that stuff, right? And, and so depression is not listed in the fruits of the Spirit, okay? So when you have the Holy Spirit, you don't need to have depression, all right? However, I, I apparently must have had it. How, do you, how does that work? It's a paradox. <clears throat> well, we're all works in progress, aren't we? Well, I don't know about you. I, I am. I am. All right? But after I got that diagnosis, um, I, I did not like it. I, Jessica, as a matter of fact, was getting ready to take baby David to Florida for a few days just to leave me there by myself to stew in my new diagnosis. Yay, I'm depressed and I'm alone for a few days. Thank you very much. And so I, I got depressed with my diagnosis. It was crazy. And so, but as I, I mentioned this to you guys, that I, I, there's this one day, I told you last week, I was in the backyard. <laughs> you guys remember that. That was an awkward moment. Backyard. Anyway, the Holy Spirit, just in the moment, while I was, I was stewing on this, he said, Jesse, this is actually a good thing. He said, not the depression. It's a good thing that you just got diagnosed with depression because now you can understand what has been present with you for a very long time that you didn't know about. It was there, but if you didn't understand it, you're dealing with something not knowing what you're dealing with. And he's instantly started showing me different seasons in my life where I, where I had this moment, this elongated moments where I was feeling down in the dumps. I, I never would have said the words, I feel depressed. That was, that's not my vocabulary. I feel depressed. That's a bad confession, right? <laughs> bad confession. But, but it's true. All right, he showed me different times. I remember in Hawaii, I had a long season. You know, you're supposed to be in paradise. Everything's all beautiful in Hawaii, and you feel free, and you're out in the tropicals. It's everybody's dream. It's heaven on earth. But I was depressed, and it actually was horrible. I had a bad, a long season there, and I was homesick and just not doing good. And he showed me different seasons where I felt this, and he's like, that's what this is about. It doesn't mean that you are always in constant depression, but it's like you go through these seasons where it kind of dips in and dips out, dips in, dips out. It's threaded through. And, and so, but he said, now that you know what that is, you can do something about it because Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you can keep depression in your life. He died on the cross to heal you of it. Amen. And so I'm like, all right, that's awesome. I, I shifted my, my perspective. Now I've found the problem. Now we can find a solution. Amen? We don't want to be problems focused, but you've got to know what the problem is. Then you find the solution and go after it. So I, I'm, I found a pastor named Les at Bethel who I had built some relationship with. He, he was kind of a a father, kind of a spiritual father figure in the environment, and I asked him, would you be willing to uh, counsel me this summer for this? And he said, he, the Holy Spirit led him to say yes. So um, I, I met with him the first time. I, I met with him four times over that, su that summer, 
And the first time, like, and he didn't just sit there with his notepad, just do like normal counseling. Like we went into encounters with God and, let the, and he let the Holy Spirit guide us with what needed to happen. It was powerful. And so <clears throat> while, while we were there and we started getting in the presence, the Holy Spirit gave him a word of knowledge that my depression was actually caused by a deeper problem, which is a, a, a disconnection with Father God. Disconnection with Father God. And so he started taking me into an encounter, and, and he, he led me into some things. But he, he, wanted to, he wanted to take me into this encounter to see how the, what the Holy Spirit is going to reveal about my relationship with my earthly dad. Okay? My earthly dad. And so in that time, the Lord was just revealing the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he, he just showed me how I've, ha I've had a long, awesome relationship with God. But most of the time when I would encounter God, it was either Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And they were powerful moments, really intimate and close with Jesus and Holy Spirit. But I started realizing that my encounters with the Father were far and few between. Okay? And so Les started teaching me this thing that I'd heard this stuff before, but it was only now for the first time making sense to me. That um, He started talking to me about how I have a father lens, a lens how you view things, right? What, the way that you see things. And my father lens. We need to go after that. And so um, Les started explaining to me how the lenses of our worldview, our self-view, our other view, others' view, how they get formed comes through experiences we have and the belief systems that we build consciously or subconsciously based on experiences, Okay. And so he started explaining to me how, um, oh, by the way, in, in those experiences that, that we have that helps us create our belief systems, they can either be based on true things that happened or perceived things that happened. Okay? Perceived. Because when you perceive something, it seems true to you, even though it might not be true to the other person. Okay, so it's how you experience it, how you interpret it. That's what's going to cause you to start formulating your perspectives. And Les started teaching me this really cool revelation that my earthly parents, my mom and my dad, when, when they, you know, conceived me, God used them naturally to give me natural DNA. Okay, and so the natural DNA helped form, formulate who I became in the physical body and in my soul. So there's my physical traits will, will somehow you know, look similar to my parents. And my soul, that's, that's where your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your thought patterns, your behavior, stuff like that, that comes from your soul. And so he was saying that, that even wired into your DNA, the way that you act or feel and stuff, that comes from your parents as well. But he said, but it's different on the spirit level. How many of you guys know that we're made out of spirit, soul, and body? 
the spirit side of it, especially for the, the born again, that that part of your, of your person is not given to you by your mom and dad. It's given to you by Heavenly Father. Your spiritual DNA is bestowed to you by the Heavenly Father because you've been born again of the Spirit. Amen? Come on, that, that's good stuff right there. And so he also was explaining to me that, that I am actually God's child more than I'm mom and dad's kid, all right? I'm God's kid. You are too. You were too. Every child that's born in this world is actually God's children, but he gave us parents to steward us until we reach the age where we're able to have our own connection with God and start behaving from my inside out, okay? Does that make sense? So he gives us parents to help grow us and to, and to discipline us and teach us and guide us and all that stuff, but you reach an age where, where, where you start it starts shifting to where now you're old enough that you can be accountable directly to God, okay? So <clears throat> parents are, are stewards of us until I reach that age. And he also is saying this, that uh, no parent, and this also goes beyond just parents, it goes towards anybody who holds a high level of influence to our hearts and our lives, okay? Parents are the primary ones, but there may be someone else. Nobody is perfect, Hallelujah. All right? Nobody's perfect. And because we're not perfect, there, there probably somewhere along the line was a time when they did not represent the Father well. Okay? There probably came some point when something happened where they did not represent God well. And so in that, whether they... Whether it's intentional, it'd be, a, it'd be an evil-hearted parent for it to be intentional, but mostly it's going to be completely unintentional that a parent maybe did not represent father well, and, it, and whether they, they would have never meant for it to, but that misrepresentation actually can cause a wound in the, in the child's heart, okay? It can cause a wound, and so... Anytime that we have a wound or a great experience, but those, those experiences that are memorable are the ones that are actually crafting the lenses that we see through. Okay? You guys doing all right? And I, and I also want to say that the lenses that we see through, I'd say that primarily they probably came as a child because those are the years that we're, that we're finding what we're about, right? But, but we can also have lenses crafted and influenced even in our adult years too. So just know that God can work there as well. But in this session, Les was taking me into my inner childhood, okay? And so uh, he said that there's yeah, probably some points when unintentionally they didn't represent the true heart of the Father well. And again, the lens gives us a worldview, it gives us a self-view, and it gives us a God-view, okay? It get, we, we perceive God based on what we believe about Him. Whether it's actually the way He is or not, we see Him the way that we see Him based on how we believe that He is. Does that make sense? 
So he went on, he says, it's, it's never with the intent to blame a parent or to put fault on a parent. But sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to take us back into our past to reveal to us areas where we may have picked up a false view of who God is. Because of those times when parents or someone else of influence failed to represent him well and how they influenced us or impacted us. I can tell you without a shadow of doubt that these things I'm saying should hit every single person in this room that, or whoever will hear what I'm saying. I don't think there's anybody except Jesus Christ who hasn't experienced this at some level. All right? And, and again, I want to I say that the experiences we're talking about are more about perceived experiences than what the other person actually intended. Does that make sense? So this is not to become a victim of some other horrible person. It's about letting the Holy Spirit reveal to us things that we picked up along the way. So it's not about finding fault in them, but about finding false belief in us. It's good. So as less has taken me into this, I'm encountering God. God's exposing the truth. These, these are some things that the Lord started showing me in that. I started he started showing me my dad. My dad. My dad, he, he passed away a couple of days after Christmas, 2018. He was a great man. Great Christian man, loved God ever, since before I ever knew him. He, he always has loved God, loved his family, and, and is a great man with a great heart, and, but, but he wasn't perfect, okay? And so the Lord is just starting to show me like qualities that I experienced with my dad. One of the qualities is he's a good dad. Another quality, he was always around. Always around. Because he, he, he rarely went on like business trips or went away for long periods of time or whatever. He's always around. He was a homebody. So he was always easy to find. So he was always physically present. He's a good man. Physically present. However, he also usually was physically present, but mentally and emotionally and relationally absent, okay? Physically there, that's awesome. Heart connection, not awesome. Not much of that. We had good memories, me and my siblings, good memories of times with my dad. Great, great memories. However, they were sporadic and rare. So, like, not enough to really fill a big, thick journal full of that. They were good but they were here and there, okay? And so my experience as a child that I remember growing up in my dad's house that I remember was uh, that he would come home from work, yay, dad's home, but then he'd go lay on the couch, turn on the boob tube, uh, a.k.a. the TV. Can't call them the tube anymore because they don't have tubes inside of them, right? Turn on the TV, and then he would he'd lay there on the couch, and he would even have dinner brought to him, and he would eat it laying there on the couch. 
And, and that, was, that was what he was. Every single day, that was what, what the family experience was. We always knew where God, or, sorry, where dad was, but we were not very connected to him, okay? Did you guys get in the picture? I had rare memories of dad playing with us. He did, but they were rare. He rarely shut off the TV to have a heartfelt conversation with us or to seek us out and to understand what's going on in our hearts, okay? So he, uh, what I experienced from him was that he was not there to train me how to accomplish things, to bring things to completion. He wasn't there to teach me how to fight for myself or how to handle myself in conflict or to conquer failures or fears or to help me to learn how to become really good at something. I, I, and, I, and again, I'm not saying that he's a bad person. He, I was deficient in those needs because he was absorbed in whatever he was wanting to do that didn't include me. Does that make sense? So dad's model to me was an upgraded entertainment TV center, okay, and long naps. That was, that was kind of what he modeled to us. All right? Also, another thing would be that uh, he would get mad at us often if we interrupted his, his routine. It's like, leave me alone, what, maybe later or whatever, okay? And, or he'd get mad if we would disagree with him about things. Guys, I'm being super vulnerable with you right now, okay? I'm not trying to paint my dad as a bad thing. These are, these are perceived experiences, okay? Perceived. I'm not blaming him. Perceived experiences. But I experienced, I felt like he, never, he rarely opened up his heart to let us into his heart, okay? So that was my experiences with my dad. I remember when I was around 12, 11 or 12 years old, um, I, 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 it was kind of a, a routine thing for me that sometimes when he'd be laying on that couch watching TV, sometimes I'd crawl up and lay next to him and just be close to Papa. And he, he'd caress my hair or my arm or whatever, and that was awesome. This one day, I climbed up there to do what we always did, and he looked at me and he said, Jesse, don't you think you're getting too old to lay with me on the couch like this? And I'm sure that in his mind, he wasn't trying to be rude. He wasn't, I don't think he had anything malicious in him at all. I don't know what, was, what he was thinking when he said it. I'm sure that his heart was 100% innocent. But I had my experience. And what I experienced on that was that I felt rejected. And so it created a barrier, okay? Created a barrier, and then it felt like something got cut off between us and our connection with each other. And, and then never again did I share the couch with my dad, okay? And so rejection actually became a pretty commonplace feeling I had often in different, different ways, different areas for, for years whether, the, whether it was for real experiences or perceived experiences. And, and, I, and I never, uh, during that time, and not until I got a lot older, I didn't know how to cope with the feelings of rejection. And so 
I want you guys to know, I, I love my dad so much. And as a matter of fact, um, even before he passed away, he got an opportunity to have an amazing heart connection encounter with him. And we, we brought it all into the light. He asked me for forgiveness. I forgave him. And the Lord did something amazing to heal a lifelong wound before he went off into eternity. That's awesome. And, and I love my dad. So I, I, I'm not saying this as a I hate dad expression. It's because I'm trying to be honest with you about things I was going through. Because I'm sure somebody's probably felt something similar at some point. Okay? At some point. But, but the, the encounter is not over. Less, it's taking me further. And, and I started seeing how, I've, how I've, the way that I viewed dad caused me to have the way that I've perceived the Father God. Because the lens, the, the, the dad lens that I had caused me to see a father the way that I experienced a father. Okay? And so the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I used to perceive the Trinity as a hierarchy in heaven. Holy Ghost is on the lowest rung. So he's the, he's the lesser God. Like people don't say that, but it's kind of, I think, an unspoken or, an uncon- or subconscious concept when you think of it as a hierarchy. And then there's Jesus, and then the Father's like the top, right? The King. And so I, 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 these are all subconscious beliefs I had, but, I, but for Jesus and Holy Spirit, they're always fun. They're always accepting of me, always gracious of me. Okay? But the Father, well, He's the one to be revered. Which is true. This is not. That's not wrong, but but that's how I. That's the fullness to be revered, holy, fear and trembling. So I, I thought that father encounters needs to be fear and trembling. Excuse me. I had I've had amazing encounters with the father, father, but they were sporadic and rare. Okay, Spra- remember I was saying. Great experiences with my dad, sporadic and rare. Great, but not often. Okay? That's how my experiences with the Father were compared to Jesus and Holy Spirit. And, and I always knew that the Father was present and nearby, subconsciously. I always knew it. However, not, he's not engaged with me, and he's got more important things to be doing. Okay? You know, he's, he's kind of running a universe, <laughs> and, and he's got a kingdom to manage. He, he doesn't have time for me, except when, you know, those rare, lucky moments. And so there's physical clo- closeness, but an emotional disconnect with the Father. Are you guys seeing how my experience with my dad translated to my experience with the Father? It's, it's a real thing, guys. And so the father, in a sense, it always felt like he'd been sitting on his throne, preoccupied with the things that matter most to him. I might get lucky for him to give me his attention in a way that makes me feel a close emotional connection to him. 
but the rest of the time, almost an inconvenience to have his, his attention. Okay? And very likely that he might not be happy with me about something I was unaware that I did. I, I want to actually say that one again. All right? Felt like an inconvenience to the Father. But if, he was to, if I was to get lucky enough for him to give me his attention, I, I thought very likely he might not be happy with me about something I was unaware that I did. Okay? So I had a lens, a lens that I saw the Father through. I realized that I had superimposed my view of my dad on God. And guess what? That is not fair. That is not fair. For me to put God in the box of the way that I think a dad looks based on my experience at home. Not fair. Okay? God's not mad about it. Matter of fact, he has compassion about it. Okay? God began to show me that that is not who he is. He began to show me and tell me, I am not Scott. I'm God. All right? He, God is not whoever your most influential role model has been. That's not who he is. Okay? He's... He's other than that. All right? Matthew 7, 11 says, Jesus said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, everybody say, my father. He actually called him your father. Who is in heaven, give what is good. Everybody says he gives what is good. To those who ask him. Come on, he's a good father who gives good things to those who ask. Amen? Amen. John 17, 25-26, Jesus said, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known to them, so that the love which the, with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Wow. I'm going to repeat that last part again. I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them. That's a wild, wild verse. Because Jesus is saying, Father, I'm your beloved Son in whom you're well pleased. I am your beloved Son in whom you're well pleased. Jesus, who in John 1, it says that he, he lived and pro, he proceeded forth from the bosom of his father. Like he's close. He, he only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. He's intimately close with the father and father loved him so much. And Jesus said the same love with which you have loved me, you're going to put that love in them. So, in other words, the Father loves you like He loves Jesus. (laughs) 
the Father lens that we need with the Father is how did He love Jesus because that's how He loves you. Come on. So God started healing broken areas inside my heart. Thank you, Lord. He, He took me into this other encounter. This one was unique. He took me into an encounter in my childhood and and Les said, ask the Holy Spirit to take you back into your childhood to the first memory that you can have, the first time when when this disconnection with your dad got identified. And I don't know when the first one was, but he took me to the first one that the Holy Spirit wanted to highlight to me, okay? I was nine years old, somewhere around that age. And I, I remember going in and asking my dad, Dad, can you, can you come outside and pass the baseball with me? And he said, no, Jesse, I, I, I'm too busy. Probably laying on the couch. Okay? And so what happened with me, I, I remember going out the front yard, throwing the baseball up in the air, straight up, straight down, catch it myself. Up, down, catch it myself. Baseball, by yourself. It doesn't work. But I was doing the best I had with what I had, which was only me. All right? And so I I remembered that the feeling, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the feeling of disappointment that I had when my dad said, I don't want to come out with you right now. Because that was a feeling I had over and over and over. It created a lens. This is what a dad does. Okay? And, and also, uh, he, the Holy Spirit started reminding me that that was about the time when I started creating this, this way of life where I always would give up and quit if I couldn't do something well. And, and I learned to measure my potential with my current skill level. How many of you know your, your potential is not your current skill level? It's something that you can actually grow towards and get better at until you become way better than where you're at right now. But my mind believed that my potential is how good I am right now. And so I never tried to get better at something because I was going to always be terrible at it. So I had a low self-esteem. And the Holy Spirit just showed me like that... That moment was a moment that I captured in my life that forged part of the lens, of the, the God lens. Okay? And so Les had me as that nine-year-old, okay? He wanted me to, to get connected again with that nine-year-old before that experience happened. Before I felt broken from that experience. Back when it was still pure, untainted, still believing all the great stuff, right? The, the, didn't have a reason to not think that everything's just perfect. Before that moment, the brokenness came. He said, he, he, he said go, like, go to that, the nine-year-old, before brokenness came. And, and I want you um, to tell you as a 39-year-old adult, this was a few years ago, as a nine-year-old, tell you as the 39-year-old who I am, who you are. Remember, pre 
brokenness, pre-beliefs that, that pull myself down, right? Pre that, back before that, when everything was, was in its right place, speak to your 39-year-old self. And so I started, and, and I got in touch with my unbroken, untarnished, pure self-view before I picked up insecurities. And this is what I said to myself. And this, this hit me deep, guys. You are an adventurer. Here, I want you to hear a, a nine-year-old saying this to their 39-year-old self, all right? Because <laughs> you remember broken, the broken thing caused something to not grow rightly over the years. And so here I am, 39-year-olds with this thing broken that whole time. 30 years later, 30 years later, uh, where this thing had not been restored yet, and, and the, the unbroken child speaking to the broken 39-year-old to try to get it back to who it was supposed to be, okay? And this is what I declared. You are an adventurer, an explorer. You are brave. You can conquer anything you want to do. You're a great leader. You're going to save lives and change the world. That's who I believed I was before it got broken in me. Why would a kid not believe that about themselves? Why would a kid not believe that about themselves? That is what God actually wants people to know that they are. Whatever, it's going to be unique for the person, but, but before that got broken, like God actually put things in us that he intended to grow and flourish and mature and become an unbroken, untainted, unadulterated version of yourself so that when you become that 39-year-old or 50-year-old, 60 or whatever age, that we have actually continued growing in that thing so we could reach the fullness of all that God dreamed for our lives. And so the Lord was trying to take me back to a place where brokenness happened, and, and I didn't have what it took to get to that place anymore, so he could restore it, so he could heal that thing. <coughs> I, I believed, I remember this, I believed when I was that, that, that age, I can change the world. So God was bridging me back to my pre-brokenness. I want to tell you that God has already put the seed of destiny in your spirit before you ever became a child. The seed of destiny. Jeremiah 1.5, God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God puts destiny seeds in every single person. And guess what? Satan hates that, and he wants to make an orphan out of every one of us to break that thing so that it never grows into the harvest that God intends it to be to change this world. <clears throat> and then Les told me as a 39-year-old to speak to that 9-year-old who got broken as a father should have and declare it so that I can actually take the place of the Father and speak this into that kid. Because if I would have heard these words back when I was broken, I could have got mended quickly and stayed the course and lived out my life going the way that God had designed for me to. Because broken, bad things are going to happen, but it's how we respond to them and how we believe about ourselves when it happens. That's going to be what makes the difference. So he wanted me to declare as a father to that child. And so I asked the Lord, what should I say 
to me as a nine-year-old. And this is what I said, taking the place of a father. I said, Jesse, you have what it takes. Don't worry that you just messed up. Get up and try again. Don't quit because you aren't as good as you want yet. You'll get it, but you're going to have to keep trying. Because I didn't hear those things from my dad. But, I, but a father can help the child restore and fight and believe and keep moving forward. Amen? So when I declared that over myself, I all of a sudden heard the father speaking that over me. Right now as a 39-year-old. He starts speaking that to me. And, and I broke loose and I burst out crying. And the fa- I heard the father saying to me as a 39-year-old who was getting counseling for depression. And, and the Lord d- gave me that word of knowledge that the depression actually was just a fruit of a broken, a, a disconnection with the father. Because I had that lens that I, that from broken experiences, at least perceived experiences, that caused me to think this is what a father must be. So that's how I experienced the father. Now he's trying to restore that back to me and heal the broken places where those false lenses were created. So I heard the father saying over me, Jesse, you have what it takes. Don't worry that you messed up. Get up. Try again. Don't quit because you're, you're as good as you want. You'll get it, but you have to keep trying. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Hebrew for restores is shub, and it means to restore. It means to repair, to bring back to how it should be, to reestablish, to make it as if the thing never happened in the first place. Come on. So he makes my soul again, uh, whole again. God started revealing to me that he desires me. He desires me. He wants to be with me. He's a good daddy. He wants quality time with me. He is so accessible to me. Come on. He wants a heart connection with me more than I want it with him. He began to manifest his love on me in powerful ways. Hallelujah. (laughs) I have more I want to say, and I'm... It's getting late, so I may save some of this for next week. Sometimes when I lose sight of the Father, which does happen more, more than I want it to, Sometimes when I lose sight of him, here are some things that result in my life, all right? I start functioning like an orphan. I start striving, thinking that it's all in my strength. 
I start having a performance mentality. I need to do and accomplish to make me feel validated or worth something. Start losing confidence and a sense of security. Start feeling lonely. I get anxious and stressed a lot easier. I start having more fear, more of a tendency to feel depression and shame all over again. And then and it's easier to get a bad attitude. <laughs> Disconnected from the father. But guess what? We always have the right to live like God's children. We, we always have that right. John 1.12, Jesus said, or it says, it wasn't Jesus, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's actually written about people who are already born again. Why would people who are born again need to have the right to become a child of God as if you aren't already? I believe because there's a lot of people who are born again who don't know really what it means to be a child of God. To really have a father in God. And this is saying that he's actually given you the right or the power to enter into your sonship or your daughtership to Father God. The, the Lord wants to reveal the Father to you in ways that you've never known Him before. There's so many more things I'd love to say. I want to put this slide up if it got made. Did, was there a slide made? Uh, here, here's what we're going to do to close out this time. I'm going to see if Lauren, I don't know if Greg was going to join you or not. It's either way on that, but... Um, they're, gonna, they're actually going to sing Abba again. But instead of, um, instead of you guys, I'm not putting the lyrics up. I want you guys to actually think through these questions with God right now. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. How do you, you can, you can go ahead and start playing it while I'm saying this. How do you perceive the Father? What lens do you see Him through? Where did you get that lens from? Is there anything broken on that lens that God wants to restore? Do you have any wounds he wants to heal so that you can see him as a good and loving father to you? Are there any heart conditions or behaviors that clash with you being in a healthy connection with the Father's embrace? See, I, I don't want this just to be a, a message where you're hearing my story, I actually hope that you're going to identify with this and see if the Father is going to do something in your heart. Maybe you've already worked through the stuff and that's cool, but, I, but the, the point is not even about my dad. It's not about your dad. It's about the Father. And if there's any, any things that you've picked up along the way through your life that have caused you to have a false lens on who he is because he wants to reveal his love for you he wants to reveal his access to you and his desire for you once you guys stand if you're able
And let's, let's go into that song. And you guys, you're welcome to sing the song, of course. But um, I want you to just to process these with Holy Spirit and see if he does anything in your heart. Just for a few minutes. Oh 
good father. He's a good father who loves you so much. Lord, I pray that you will just open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, and the deepest places, even of feeling. Lord, I pray that you'll just help us all, Lord God, to discover if there's any anything that we picked up along the way that does not represent you well, any beliefs that we've picked up that have misrepresented who you are and that you would reveal your goodness and your closeness, your absolute love, Lord, your desire to be close. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that you'll help us all, Lord, to identify if there's any parts, anything that's going on in our life that is fruit of a disconnection from you. And I pray that you'll take people into those places to bring healing. Healing deep in the heart. Any place where there's wounds. And I pray that you'll pour your love in there like a healing salve to bring restoration. God, our identities are not truly built around those moments that, have de that we thought defined us, God, but you put in us the seed of our destiny. You put in us our identity. And I pray, Father, that you'll bring each person into encounter with you so you can speak to their heart into the deep places who they are. Lord, that you'll wash away all the other stuff and bring wholeness, Lord. Bring wholeness. In the name of Jesus, God, bring wholeness. Thank you, Lord. God, let this not just be another message, another Sunday morning, another routine. God, I, I pray you'll crack hearts open, Lord, and get in there. Hit, hit everybody in the place where the feels are. Heal pain in people. shame, God. You bring wholeness, restoration, because you're a good father. You're a good father, and you love us. Why don't you guys just say this? You're a good father. You're a good daddy. Abba, Father, you love me. You love me so much. You love me like you love Jesus. Say that again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just take a moment and love on him? Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. We love you and we want more of you, Lord. I ask you to bless everybody here right now in Jesus' name. 
Amen.